Praise God. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne, that you would give us your mercy and grace and help us. And We need so much, Lord, at all times. We need direction. We need understanding, wisdom, knowledge, you name it. We need it, and we thank you that you give it to us liberally, and you don't upbraid us for asking or for not knowing. So we are so thankful for the gentleness of your counsel to us when we are in need. So we honor you, Lord, and we love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. So we're going to talk about the fact that God helps our unbelief. Amen. He helps our unbelief. Um, I think sometimes we are too hard on ourselves um, where faith is concerned and how we pray and whether we have our answer yet and when is the answer coming and all of the things that kind of uh, when that are challenges to us when we're living by faith. The thing that God is most, I think, pleased with is that we do live by faith. That we are praying for things and we are believing him for things and we are applying ourselves to the word, to study the word and to understand and to prayer and to obey the word of God. I think that's the thing that he looks at most with us. And and when we start out believing, I think he really gets excited to help us. And it's not like sometimes we think, sometimes you, the, the enemy will get to needling us about things. So when is this coming? When is that coming? And, and many times that's not how we feel. We just kind of hear that and we pick that up because your spirit man is totally confident in God. And if we could walk in the spirit at all times, we wouldn't be bothered with those thoughts of unbelief and those thoughts of unworthiness and all of the thoughts that kind of plague us and keep our peace disturbed about, you know, what we're believing God for. You know, sometimes you can you can pray and you can thank God and you can be in the spirit. And you can feel so good about what you just prayed for. And then the next day, something will come in your mind and start bugging you about it. And And really, that's not that's not the real us. That's not the you that prayed the prayer. That's your your carnal man trying to get agitated about something that God is doing uh, that God is perfectly pleased with. He's perfectly satisfied with, with what we do. Uh, the fact that we approach him, I think, blesses him. Uh, the fact that we don't want to just go and do something without his guidance and without his help blesses him. Uh, because at least you're being obedient to that aspect of the word uh, nobody's this isn't like a a uh, uh, contest to see how much you know and how well you know it uh you can't know anything outside of god it, and he's got to help you with that and he knows it uh that's why jesus lives to make intercession for us that's his that's his life see that's what brings him life is to pray for us and he loves praying for us. He loves ministering to us. He loves serving us. Uh, he loves all of those aspects of the covenant. Amen. He loves it. And, and so, but he can't do anything until we step out in faith and start to approach him, uh, in a way where he can respond to us. 
And I think that's always good to keep in mind because sometimes we can put too much pressure on ourselves to do things right and do what we call right. And, and really in God's kingdom, there's, there's really no right and wrong. There's attempts, uh, to, to obey and sometimes we miss the mark. And we, you know, we have to repent and say, God, that didn't turn out right. Now, where did I step off wrong? And I want to get it right this time. You know, just just talk to God as you would a friend that you know is there to help you. Because that's exactly what he is. He's a friend that is there to help us and help everything that would challenge us. So when I look at something like doubt and unbelief, I've 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 started kind of looking at those as not belonging to me. See, because your spirit man doesn't own anything that's negative, doesn't own anything that's outside of God's covenant, outside of his will. So you can look at those as like foreign uh, uh, voices and, and outside voices that are trying to come in and influence you away from God. And if you continue to stand and and say, no, I I have this already. God gave this to me. This was paid for at Calvary. This belongs to me already. And if we can continue to stand, we can get over a lot of this stuff that kind of tends to plague us. We kind of tend to let it get us down. If, you know, if it's taking time for something to happen, that's the, the major way the enemy likes to get us is on time. Because if if we really focus on the things of the spirit, there's no time. You know, it's like sometimes when you you ever just pray and feel really peaceful about everything, and you've entered into that realm of of the spirit where there's no time, and that's where you want to abide. And then something will get in your brain and start nagging you. Look how long it's been. Look, what are you doing about this? And what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing anything. I did what I'm going to do. And right now I'm just going to thank God for giving it to me. And I'm going to thank him for the answer. And I'm going to thank him for blessing me. And I'm going to talk to him about things like, well, God, you said we would accelerate time. Is there something I need to do to help that? See, you don't have to respect the voice of doubt and unbelief. But if you take it to the Lord in the spirit, then that's the proper place to deal with it. You know, if there is something that needs to be adjusted. You know, sometimes we do need to to focus more on the things of the spirit and just, uh, you know, cast down these imaginations. Be more active in casting them down and say, no, that's not from God, that's not for me. It sounds reasonable and it sounds like it might be right but it's really not right because it didn't come from the right source. See, the source of your ideas is extremely important. Did it come from the enemy or did it come from God? Did it come from his kingdom or did it come from the kingdom of darkness? And and doubt and unbelief are always dark forces. They come from the kingdom of darkness. They do not come from the kingdom of light. And so we can easily cast those things down. We can deny them access to our thinking. Uh, even though it sounds kind of reasonable, you know, everything the enemy says sounds reasonable. It sounds like that might be the reason. 
It sounds like that might be what the problem is. But when you live by faith, there are no problems. Because Jesus takes care of all the problems. Amen. He is taking care of everything. So if God says, I have already given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness, then that means there's no problem with it. Amen. And and if we do veer off course, then God can easily bring us back on course again. Because Jesus really is, uh, we are joint heirs with him. Everything that he has belongs to us in a measure. Amen. And so he is there to help us. He he is there to help execute this covenant so that we can have success. That's why he, he can promise that everything we set our hands to will prosper and not fail. There will be no failure. Why? Because he's the no failure component of our prayer. He's the no failure aspect of everything that, that we do. So with him leading us and guiding us, there's no failure there. And we have to learn how to be settled in that, how to just accept it and say, this is what really is true, that there is no failure here. I'm not doing anything wrong. If there is something that needs to be corrected, that idea will come from God and will not come from the enemy. You know, will not come from the realm of doubt or unbelief or or accusation. You know, you can tell by the attitude on the thought where it comes from. You know, why is it? Where are you going to do? How? What you? It puts all the responsibility on you for bringing to pass the thing that God said He would do for you. See, it's not our job to make it happen. It's God's job to make it happen. And we have to get peace about the fact that he's working on it. And the the greatest way to me to get peace is just go in your word. Look in your word and see. See, many times we're trying to have faith, but we're outside of the protection of the word. We don't go there enough to clear up these confusions, to clear up these uh glitches, misunderstandings and self-accusation and I've got to do this or this isn't right or I've got to do that or that isn't right. And, you know, putting ourselves back under the law again. Where the law is, there's always condemnation. There's always guilt. There's always, because you can't fulfill the law. It's been fulfilled already. So we don't need to. We just need to do our portion. And so trust God to show you your portion that needs to be done. There are many times I'll think to myself, I say, God, am I saying this enough? Am I doing this enough? And I never get an answer from him. And it's like, <laughs> where? why are you questioning me like that? Because that's not coming from my heart. And it's not coming from the heart of blessing. It's coming from accusation. You know, uh, all of the thoughts that come to us that tell us that we need to do more, we need to do this, we need to do that. The enemy would love to get us out from under the grace of God, you know, and the faith of God where we can live with peace. He hates peace. He wants to disturb it at every turn. And so that's one of the ways he can disturb it is after you've prayed and you believed you received and you go off rejoicing, he can catch you down at the corner and, and put a, a snare there and try to trip you up. So where do you think you're going all joyful and happy? 
You didn't do enough. What do you think you're just going to ask and receive and that's it? You got to add some works to that. You see? And so many times we get ensnared by the concept of inadequacy. We can always pull out our old friend, you know, unworthiness. Amen. And, and, uh, and, and, and especially if you're doing the right thing, you know, the, the unworthy really comes, uh, with, with sin. It, it was, you know, where the, the prodigal son connected those concepts together for us. He said, I have sinned and I'm not worthy. Amen. So if, if you haven't done anything wrong, why do you feel unworthy? And if you do feel unworthy, you can repent and ask God's forgiveness and you're back in the covenant again. You're back in worthy again. Amen. In fact, the, the, the worthy, worthy and gift don't even connect together. You understand what well, that should never be a consideration when you think about the fact that what we receive from God is a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life. That is the life of his son and all that goes with it, all the inheritance that goes with it. And so when you think about the fact that we're not here working for anything, earning anything, got to be worthy about anything, your worthiness comes from you believing. You just, and see, this is the thing the enemy likes to do is disconnect us from our faith. If he can get you to drop your faith and walk away and say it's not worth it, say it's never going to happen, say it's not, that's not for me and look at my life and look at how bad it is. If he can get you over in that realm, then he can slap you with more charges. He can get you deeper into it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, watch, watch being angry at yourself and watch feeling frustrated and, and defeated and all that self-pity and all that kind of nonsense. You know, cast those things down and be quick to cast them down. You know, cause they, they really don't, they're not for you. They're, they're of, of dead works. Amen. And so you're not into dead works anymore. You serve the living God. Amen. All your, your works are wrought in eternal life. Everything that you do, when you do it by faith, it comes through eternal life, which means there's nothing wrong with it. It'll last forever. It's yours permanently. God has granted to you on the basis of faith and faith alone. And so when you, when you talk about living by faith, uh, it has to be a way of life for us that never ends it and it has to encompass every area of your life amen um you can't just live by faith oh, oh yeah i'm well i'm i'm going to make sure i have enough finances for everything so i'm going to use my faith only for see and and be slack on the other things see it just shows you where your mind is and where you you just don't value everything that God values. And we have to be the kind of people that imitate our Father. God values everything. He values your money. He values your health. He values your ministry, your career, your family. Everything is of high value to Him. Why? Because Jesus died to pay for it all. There's nothing cheap on that menu that He gave His life for. It all was expensive for Him. 
Amen. And we have to see it as is all being valuable for us to have in our lives. And many times I think when people kind of get to that point where they want to quit or they give up or, you know, they don't their heart's not in it anymore. It's because they're trying to sort out certain things that they only want to use their faith for this or they only want to use their faith for that, or this isn't important. Well, you know, you start taking things off that list of importance, pretty soon you won't have anything on there. Because the enemy will see to it that he takes everything away from you, amen, so that you're not out here living for anything. You're just floundering around and wondering, amen. And so you don't want to be the the wondering type person or the wandering person. You want to be that person who is locked into God and walking step by step with him. Jesus said, follow me. That means I lead. You go where I tell you to go. You don't get ahead of me. Don't run alongside of me and tell me what to do. But but walk behind me and let me show you the life that I died to give you. That's That's really all it is. It's that important that we follow him. And we follow him by obeying the word and living according to his covenant, living out the word every single day. Not just sometimes when you're in a good mood or sometimes when it's easy, but we have to walk this out every day, even when it gets tough, you know. And it's been tough for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. But you don't live in tough. You live as an overcomer. Amen. And so you, you know, we don't have to embellish how bad things are in order to experience the goodness of God. We can have his goodness when, when things are good. <laughs> how about that? Add goodness on top of goodness. Amen. So when things are good, we can add more goodness to it. Amen. Because we serve a good God and, and his mercy is everlasting. He, he looks at us every day and wants to know, what can I do for you today? It's not so much about us impressing him with, with, I don't need, I don't need so much today. You know how sometimes we get when we, we want to make sure God knows we're using our faith and doing this right and doing that right. You know, it's all because of him that we can do it. And, and he has the open up the door of understanding for us to even know how to apply the faith. And so it's, it's a partnership with him. And, and more than that, it's following him and allowing him to lead. He leads us into the, the good life. Amen. The things that are good for us. And, and he leads us into more than just material things. I mean, you know, we, we in the body of Christ have so much and, and spiritual things, you know, so much, um, that will enrich your life every day. You know, when you get a new car, it's new only one, one time. After you get in and drive, it's not new anymore. So you can't live off of being happy about your new car every single day. You can find something else to live for. And so God wants us to live for what's inside of us. You know, his character, his love, his mercy, his understanding, his goodness, his faithfulness. Live out of the fruit of the spirit. That's where eternal life really is. It's not in the things that we possess that we're going to leave here when we go. And and when you think about it, the things of heaven are so much richer. You know, I mean, this stuff down here is not a whole lot to get excited about. You know, it deteriorates with the using. 
you have problems with it, the more things you possess, the more insurance you got to have, the more warranties you got to pay for, and you know all of the stuff that goes along with uh, riches in this life. And so uh, it's just good to, to let God have his way so we can develop the life of the spirit and the life that goes with with uh is compatible with his life where he's bringing us into that richer life amen you know when he told uh pilot he said my kingdom is not of this world in other words i'm not impressed with you i'm not impressed with what you're doing i'm not impressed with what you're doing to me because i'm from another world Amen. Uh, I'm from a kingdom that can never be destroyed. I'm from a kingdom that you can't even see to tamper with it. You don't even know it's in operation until it manifests. Man, that's wonderful. It's a secure kingdom. It's a secure system. Amen. We can't even tamper with it and mess up our own blessings because they're invisible until they manifest. Amen. Now there are times when God will give us understanding. I think faith is, is, is wonderful in that it keeps us understanding that something belongs to us. And we're believing for something that's real. Amen. That's what faith is supposed to do for us. We gotta know that it's real because of our faith. That's how you have, it's the substance of something that's coming. Amen. It's hoped for. So it's being made. So you can say, really, my healing is being worked on every day. Amen. Because it's in the, it's in the manufacturing process. See, faith is substance. And our faith makes things. Amen. When you would hear Jesus say, your faith has made this. Your faith has made you whole. That means your faith has manufactured wholeness for you. Amen. So when you manufacture something, you're making it until it's done. So your, your promise is being worked on every day until it comes into, to visibility. And so once you understand that faith activates a process that is ongoing until you receive the total manifestation of it, we will sometimes we'll get to the point and think nothing's going on. But but it's just like if you ordered a car from from you know GM or whoever you order it from, they'll tell you your car will be ready on X date, and you assume that somebody's working on making your car while you're waiting for it. Amen. It's the same thing about God and His kingdom. He's working on making things for us continually jesus said the father works and hitherto i work and so god never slumbers or sleeps so he's always working on whatever it is that's being made by your faith amen and he's assuring us all the time i don't think god has any problem in reassuring us that our faith is working and you know how it is sometimes we're reluctant to ask him certain things are we reluctant to think oh i better not bug god about this because if i keep asking him when it's coming 
that means I don't have faith. And you, you understand how your mind plays with you. And so we, we need to be honest and say, God, if this ain't right to ask you, let me know. But I want to know, <laughs> you know, I want to know. I want to know what, you know, if there is a glitch here, if I'm the glitch, let me straighten up. Amen. And, and if it's not a glitch, I'm satisfied. Help me to be more content and satisfied and trusting you more. All of those things, I think it's time now to be honest with God. It's time for the body of Christ to really get honest with him and deal honestly uh, with him. Because once we spill it all out, amen, it's out there. And then if, if we keep keeping it in, then we're assuming that God is not pleased with something. Or that he's not going to be pleased if we ask him what's on our hearts. And I think that opens up when you start having honest conversation with God, uh, that opens up a whole different dimension of relationship with him. It's more honest. It's more trustworthy. It's more complete. And I think he appreciates it. He's the Bible says he will not rebuke us and will not uh, upbraid us. For asking for wisdom. And that's what we're really asking for. We're asking, we're not saying it like that, but we want to know certain things. And, and all of the things that are mysteries to us fall, um, are, are, they fit under the category of missing wisdom. Something we don't understand about this process. There's some, God, I'm, I'm doing the, the prayer as best I can and I'm thanking you every day and I'm blessing. Well, not every day, God, you know how I am. You know, back up and quit, quit telling all your accolades. You know, let him help you find them. But God, I'm, I'm doing this the best way I know how. Sometimes it does slip my mind and I wish I could be more, um, conscientious about it and so forth and so on. But I need to know something. You know, I need to know am I on the right track and, you know, did I get off the track somewhere and help me get back on the track? That's the most important thing. Amen. You don't need to know your wheels are off. You can tell something, eh, right? But you did do need to know how to get your wheels back on. Amen. So you can go forward with God. And so he He wants us to, to have this open relationship. So I was thinking about that and thinking about this uh, uh man in uh this is uh, mark chapter 9 uh the man with the son that needed to be healed you know with was having the epilepsy and having the seizure and i thought about how uh we can try and keep secrets from god but we have to wind up dealing with it anyway you know and so i think it's just good to be the kind of person that blabs everything and and lets him deal with it, you know, and, and okay, so I won't get a, a at a girl for today, but tomorrow's gonna be a better day. I'm gonna start right now, amen, with with a better attitude about this. So in in Mark chapter nine, uh in in the first portion of that chapter, Jesus, Peter and I think it's John are uh James and John, Peter, James and John go up to the mountain where Jesus is transfigured in front of them. In other words, he's turned, his his countenance is turned uh, uh, very, very shining. And he's uh, uh, stepped into a different dimension of the spirit than what he normally walks in. You guys know that there are different 
degrees and dimensions of God's spirit. We don't, we don't know all of them because we're not there yet. They haven't been revealed to us. But Jesus was able to, um, step into that realm where he was in total glory. And he says his clothing became shiny, white as snow. Uh, and there appeared unto them with Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And so after Peter kind of messes this up because he's a normal man, you know, Jesus is teaching them, uh, the ways of the spirit and, uh, they respond sometimes okay and sometimes not quite so okay. Uh, Peter decides he wants to build three tabernacles and you know, he doesn't know anything about anything. He's just excited and giddy and trying to respond like we do sometimes when we feel the anointing. We're not sure what it means. Instead of asking what it means, we just get all excited and go do something, go touch somebody, go running, lay hands on somebody or whatever we feel like doing. And so this is one of those situations. And so, uh, the voice from heaven, which was God the Father, had to correct him, bring him down to normal. And so uh, that event is over and, and uh, Jesus kind of counsels them on their way down from the mountain. And when they get down to the foot of the mountain in verse 14, it says, When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes questioning them. And right away, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. But he asked the scribes, why are you questioning with them? And what are you asking them? What do you want to know? In other words, the disciples were not, I guess, on a level where they could really fully answer the scribes, what they wanted to know that was more Jesus department when he was in the synagogue Jesus was in the synagogue teaching there were scribes that were sitting there listening to him amen and and they would ask him questions and he would answer them in a spiritual way many times they were confused and confounded after they asked him the questions and so I think what Jesus is doing here is getting to the root of the problem that's going on down here. And that is that the scribes were questioning the disciples and trying to put them into confusion, trying to get them off balance, trying to get them more focused on things of the, I guess you could say, rules and regulations more then by the grace that they operated under when they would pray for the sick and, and heal people and, and their ministry. Um, these two are not compatible anymore uh, because Jesus is now uh, preaching the kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom that comes through faith. The old covenant has to do with obeying the works of the law and they're they're conflicting one with the other. Uh, when Jesus talked about the wineskin, he said you can't put new wine in the old wineskins. So the the justification that comes uh, through faith by the grace of God, not works, but totally by the grace of God, 
does not intermix with the Old Testament law. The rules, the regulations, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, taking the sacrifices and, and living that way anymore uh, is not is not the superior way that God has given us to live. There was a, um, a faith that was in operation for the grace of God even before Jesus came. You saw many people receive a healing that didn't have a covenant with God. You saw many people receive by faith without the law. Abraham lived like that. So that grace by faith really came first before the law came. The law came to explain why to live holy. Why to live for God? Why to, it answered questions about God. It answered questions about what God thinks about sin. What does he think about righteousness? If you want to live a peaceful life, you can't have more than one wife. You can't have, you understand what I'm saying? That the law came to explain the total mind of God and his holiness. And, and that man was being held to a higher standard and anybody that tried to attain it knew they couldn't. You, you, you sin and you had to go kill your pet and get atonement and all that kind of stuff. People just didn't like that. They get tired of it. And that was really the, the purpose of the law to show you how superior it was to the way you want to live and you can't do it without God's help. So he sent Jesus to fulfill the law, really to do away with the curse and do away with a lot of the the, the nitty gritty of the law and sum it all up in love. You know, love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself and then you fulfilled everything. Well, you could only do that if there was a a a um, a change made, a new covenant had to be established to get that available to all people and and it was done because god loved us amen and he showed us love was superior to hate love is superior to to going to the law and trying to get restitution all the time and and hunting people down if they did some wrong love is superior to that because it takes into account human weakness and it makes a remedy for that and the law could never do that Whenever, I don't care how, how faithfully they obeyed the law, it could never do away with human weakness. But faith can. See, the grace of God that comes through faith in the finished work can do all of those things. And that's what Jesus wanted to introduce them to. And so the scribes keep bringing up the law so that they can trip them up with something. And so behind Jesus' back, they're kind of working the the disciples over and, and interfering with the healing meeting and causing great confusion and all of the things that don't don't um, uh, add up to a, a successful healing ministry is what they're trying to do. See, they're mixing the law with faith, and that can never work. It just causes confusion. So you have to have one or the other. And he said, Jesus then uh, steps up. Uh, for his students, you know, as a good teacher would. The teacher's supposed to come in and handle difficult cases. 
And in one of the multitude answered, this is verse 17, it said, Master, I have brought unto you my son which has a dumb spirit. Now this man just pipes up with this out of nowhere. Jesus didn't ask him this. Now he does ask him questions later, but when he sees Jesus, he, he gets a new, um, excitement about this getting done because he sees that his disciples can't get the job done. So he's really, um, excited to see Jesus come into the picture and then he can reveal to him everything, uh, that he needs. And he says he has a dumb spirit and wheresoever he takes him, he tears him. In other words, he, he takes over. He takes this boy over and he does whatever he wants to do with him. And he says he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. And so Jesus, because he's getting to the root of the problem, this is, this is always what he does. Uh, he doesn't waste any time, uh, with, uh, niceties. Um, and, and to be honest with you, the fact that he, he doesn't approach the disciples first lets you know that they are not the root of the problem. See, the root of the problem is what the Old Testament people bring into it, is what the scribes bring into the picture. Because he immediately shuts that down. Because he asks them, he said, why are you, what are you asking them about? Why are you questioning them? In other words, talk to me. And so as he takes over, he gets problem number one, the root of the problem, under authority. And this is what we have to do when we, when we go into situations where this is why you pray and you seek God before you approach somebody to want to pray for them, to want to minister to them. You, you have to seek for that open door. And so many times that door is not as open as we think it is, but God can prepare us to, to get that door open. Amen. Because we all want to see people healed. We want to see them well. We pass many people every day that have ailments and you look at them and, and, but you don't feel any leading. Most of the time we don't. Sometimes you will, but most of the time we don't feel any leading. And it's probably because they're not really seeking God for a remedy or an answer or something like that. And so anyway, um, uh, he, this man confesses what he's there for. He says, he foams and gnashes with his teeth, pines away. He said, and I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they couldn't. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, he says this to that man. He says it to everybody there who's just watching confused you got me not in faith because the first thing that will register with jesus is the condition of everybody's heart there and the condition of the faith so in order for him to get this boy healed he has to come in and set things in in divine order amen it there has to be a an order there that allows the anointing 
to come in and, and do the work and be successful at it and, and all of the things that he knows uh, that are going to allow him to get the job done, he has to get that set up. And oftentimes you'll see where Jesus would, would minister to people. It would be right after he had been preaching and teaching. And that's the best way to get the atmosphere ready for the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit to manifest what you just taught and what you just preached. See, that's the purpose of it. It's for the, the manifestation of what you just spoke. And so if, if that can be done, that's wonderful. But in this condition, this situation, there's so much confusion here. It says people are jumping around and gathering and running up to Jesus and running away from disciples and this little boy's over here suffering all of this that's going on. And, and he has to put things in order so that the, the anointing can do the work that it's supposed to do. Amen. You just don't jump in. With the anointing and say it's all powerful, not jump into this situation and make it happen. It has to be a, a, um, an atmosphere, you know, and a peace that gets established so that these things can be done. Everything that God does, He does from a, a perspective of love and of peace, the fruit of the Spirit have to be in domination in an atmosphere before these things can really, really be successful. And so uh, he, he tells, the man tells him what's wrong. And Jesus answered him and called him faithless as long as along with everybody else sits there. He said, all y'all don't have no faith. Amen. That's the problem. And he's in he, in, in the, the scribes right along with them. So they're the, the leaders of the no faith movement. Amen. He says, uh, he said, bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him right away, the spirit tore him and he fell on the ground and wallowed around foaming. And he asks his father, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. And then he goes on to explain to him what this young boy has suffered. He said, oftentimes it casts him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this man, when he has an opportunity to speak, he speaks from his own experience, but he also tries to impress Jesus with how bad this is. You notice he says oftentimes. Well, how often is often? Amen. So he's trying to get Jesus. He's trying to convince Jesus to do something with complaints. You got it? See, this happens all the time. I go through this every day. This is, this is just bad. It's just terrible. This is his attitude. See, he's, he's telling how bad it is trying to convince Jesus to do something because it's, it's bad. Well, that never convinces God to do anything. Let's say it again. How many of us have cried out and have you don't do something, God? I don't know what's going to happen and nothing happens. Or it might happen 
you know, not because you said it like that, but maybe you've had some faith working somewhere, you know, and it just happened to coincide with your ranting and raving and carrying on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, our, our deplorable condition never moves God. It's our faith that moves him. You gotta, you gotta ask him, you gotta believe that he's gonna do it in spite of how terrible it is. And so he, he says, Jesus begins to ask him, how long ago since this came to him? And he said, of a child. And then he opens up and begins to say more. Now why is this, you know, usually this is a no-no for ministers. You know, if you're praying for somebody at the altar and you, they start telling you how bad things are, a normal minister, you know, you're anointed. Yeah, you are, but you can feel the faith level going down. You can feel the atmosphere changing when they start spewing out all the bad stuff and how bad it is and how much they suffer. And, uh, you know, it's like having a pity party at the altar where you want the power of God to reign. And so many times we'll just like, like not let that be said unless we have a confidence in God that we have the answer already. See, like sometimes if God gives you a word of knowledge about somebody, that doesn't change what he's going to do based on what they say. Amen. But sometimes if their faith isn't where it needs to be, for them to continue to complain and say and say and say won't help the atmosphere any to help them to receive what God has for them. Amen. And so you, you it just, just depends on how the minister can work with the atmosphere, what you can allow people to say. Now, you don't rebuke them and and. Tell them to shut up and be mean to them and all that kind of stuff. But you can change the subject and say, well, you know what? God is here now and he's going to fix that. You know, I understand what you're saying. He's going to fix that. Amen. So we're going to get you back in faith and watch God work. Amen. And so uh, Jesus, though, allows him to tell this. And when he asks him, he allows him to open up. And, and clear all of that out of his mind and all of his heart of his heart. And, and there is a place where sometimes allowing people to talk and release their frustration, release their, as long as you don't let them end up saying, God's not going to help them. You got me? Uh, you you can't come to that conclusion. You have to come to the conclusion that, okay, well, God has heard you and he's heard your petition. Amen. And, and he's going to help you. And so when Jesus asks him to open up like that, he asks him for a good reason so that he can release all of that. And then he, when he says at the end, this is how Jesus gets to the root of the problem with him. Because if you notice when Jesus talks to people, when he's about to minister to them, he winds up helping them. He never goes away. I mean, the examples that we're given here are successful examples. Now, there are some, some situations where they'll say Jesus couldn't do 
anything, they are mighty worse because of their unbelief. They just refuse to budge. So this man is budging. Amen. When he begins to talk, he begins to budge. He moves off of his unbelieving situation. I mean, this is so bad. It's so terrible. He does it all the time. He throws him in the fire, throws him in the water since he was a kid. And it's been horrible for us. And then at the end, he says, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything. So here's the problem. This is why Jesus included the father into the faithless generation. He could tell there was no faith in this man to do what he wanted to do or what he wanted to have done. Amen. And, and, and sometimes it's faith that wavers. One day he believes in God and the next day he doesn't. And so there's something not quite right with the faith. It's not stable enough in what God can do in order for Jesus to, to help this boy. But Jesus always helps our unbelief. You can start in a conversation with him and be way over here in left field. And before you know it, you're over here and you receive everything you in your heart's desire. Because he brings you from point faithless to point you got your miracle. Amen. And that's his job. It's not our job to to fix our faith. It's our job to believe God. But if there's something that's not quite stable about our faith, it's his job to fix that. Amen. So that that's fixed in the process. And so he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, number one, all of the things that, that Jesus is, he's, he is that. So he's able. Amen. He's proven that over and over again. If you can do anything. Yeah, I I can do something. And he says, have compassion. He's always moved with compassion. So you're not a special case that he doesn't have enough compassion to include you in it. Amen. He's always full of compassion, full of mercy. Amen. And, and, And so Jesus said to him, he said, believing is not my job. Amen. None of this that you're giving me to do is my job. Amen. So so when he says, if you can do anything, that's putting Jesus's faith into question. Because he's already been dealing with people that don't. Jesus already called them faithless. And this man is saying, well, you're the you're the final guy I can appeal to. What can you do? Amen. So he's even doubting Jesus's ability to do anything to help him because he's so steeped in unbelief because of his bad experience back here. There are a lot of people going around like that. They've had a bad experience at the altar asking God for something and they blame everybody. And especially God. Now they don't want to say they're mad at God. They'll blame it on the minister or the church or whoever. But, but they're really mad at God and don't want to say it because they don't understand why they didn't get what they thought they were believing for. Well, I can tell you why they didn't get it. They quit believing. First first challenge to their faith, they dropped it. And didn't have the humility to, to go question God and, and figure out what, what happened. 
I thought I was believing you. I thought I was close to getting this. Well, you quit believing because you could still get it. Amen? I don't care what it is. You can still receive it. And there's so many people with, with shattered expectations because they dropped it instead of going back to God. They don't believe that it's going to take some work on their part of continuing to believe. They want it to happen immediately. They want it to be over with right now because they're barely hanging in on their faith. Well, if you, if you're running out of patience with, with the promise, you gotta go back and, and get something that's gonna help you hang in there. You, you gotta hear some of those sermons about the potter and the clay. You know what I'm saying? It's, you're being worked on. Amen. So let the process unfold and you will receive what you need from God. But so many people, it's, you know, we don't go to the doctor and, and think we're going to be healed the first time we take a pill. Those pills say when they say three refills, that means you're going to be at this for a while. Because it wears off really quick. You know, but we don't want to give God the same kind of respect that we would give a man giving us a pill. Amen. And so we have to understand that we're dealing with a, a process of building our faith as well as receiving what we want from God. Sometimes we want what we want so badly, we don't care if our faith is developed. And that's where most people live. They're not thinking about God is making something more out of me every day than I am this day. You know, he's perfecting me. He's maturing me. He's helping me to live a stable life by faith. Amen. Well, we don't, we don't enjoy those things. Even though we, your spirit man loves that kind of stuff. If you let your flesh continue to dominate, you're not gonna, you're gonna miss out on a lot of what God has for us. Because most of it is not material, folks. Most of it is spiritual. It's spiritual first and then it can cause the material to manifest. And so he tells Jesus all of these things. And then Jesus says to him, if you can believe, he said, the issue is not my ability. It's not my compassion. It's not whether I want to do something for you, but the issue is your faith. But I can help that. This is what what he doesn't say. But he says, this is what the problem is. And so straight away, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes just confessing what you know the issue is will be the remedy. Because this man likes to talk. We've seen that. He's He's got the attention that he that the disciples didn't give him he's now getting it from Jesus see the disciples probably went about trying to minister to the boy and it wasn't successful and the father probably thought well they don't understand how bad things are they maybe the reason they're not doing a good job is they don't realize how hard it is for us every day i mean what we have to live with with the devil tormenting him and me being nervous all the time that he's going to get sick and that, the, you know, the devil take him somewhere and drown him and, and this will be successful on us. Maybe they don't understand. 
And so he takes the opportunity that Jesus gives him to tell his story. He just wants to be heard. And sometimes being heard can clear the way for faith to come in. Amen. Uh, And you see that with several people. You saw with the Syrophoenician woman where she got to tell her story. She wanted her daughter cured and the daughter was, was, uh, had devils and, and, but the woman had a lot of stuff inside of her that needed to come out. And at the bottom of her confessing all this stuff was what? Her faith was released. It, this is a very common process with, with people getting better. The confession. It's very important. It's like it's important for us to confess to God how we really feel about how long it's been taken for us to get. And sometimes it's part of God's plan for us to linger. You know, um, not to get everything instantaneously. Because it develops something. I know it got, the air was sucked out of the room when I said that. But we need to claim it now. We need to believe it's ours now. But we need to let the process unfold. Because there is a process, folks. There's, there was a process with this man. We don't know how long he's been watching Jesus minister to people before he got up enough confidence to go ask him to heal his son. Amen? And, and he never really got, he didn't get to Jesus right off the bat. He got the, the second, what they call a second string. <laughs> yep. And that was enough to turn him away from the whole situation. But he hung in there. That hanging in there is called faith. The fact that you get up another day and pray and expect God to do the same healing that didn't come yesterday is called faith. Amen. And, and that faith is, is what God really considers to be precious. The fact that we continue to believe without seeing anything is very precious to him. Amen. Even though we want to see something and show me a token for good. God, show me something. Let's have a little bit of a peek of it. Can I get a little bit of something here? Uh, it's, it's called faith. And that's what God is looking at. He's looking for that little bit of I'm going to hang on longer and see we don't we don't value that very much but he does because he values it all over the bible every time you see somebody that keeps coming back suppose this man had just said your disciples couldn't do anything and walk away and a lot of people quit first time out amen there there'll be people that have a, a long list of ministers that have prayed for them i went to so-and-so and and he prayed for me i went to so-and-so and and he prayed well you must have faith you keep going amen maybe this will be the one amen and so you never know and so he said uh jesus told him he said if you can believe see it's not on me to have faith for you it's on you to have faith in me amen and he said if you can believe all things are possible even this, even this bad situation that you talked about. And so many times when we minister to people, we have to let them know that even though they've told us how bad it is, 
God still wants to do this. He still can do it. Can you believe? Can, can we, can we pray? Can you mix your faith here? And, and, uh, we'll pray and we'll ask God to do this for you and, and expect Him to do it. Amen? So all things are possible to people who have faith and expectation. You can't just pray a prayer of faith and walk away and not expect it to happen. You've got to have expectation for it. You've got to remind yourself that it's coming. So really your faith confession is more for you than it is to impress God. Now I know we have the opposite feeling about it. You know, we see nothing happening and we say, oh, I better get on my confession. Yeah, you better get on it so you can continue to believe it's not impressing God. Amen. Because he looks at your heart. If you believed in your heart the first time you prayed, that's what God's looking at. He's looking at you believe you received it when you prayed. That's what he's looking at. And it's up to you to keep yourself in peace, keep yourself in faith, walk in love, all of those things so that it can come to pass, so that it can happen. The devil likes nothing better than to talk us out of a promise when we've we've received it already and he can tell us it's not coming even though we say we received it already. How can he tell you something's not going to happen and you got it already? And that's when you need to tell, no, it's too late, devil. I got this already. I believed I received it. When I prayed, I have it. And I'm not going to let you bother me about time. Because you're the only one that time is working against. Time is working for me because I live in the realm of the spirit. Amen. My kingdom, the kingdom I live in is not of your world. And he says, he asked Jesus to help his unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. When he saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. So this is the reminder. You know, this is the fine print issue here. You've got to remember that Jesus is not only answering your prayer for you, but he's answering it for kingdom reasons also. So these people came running together and he gave them something to see. See, before they had been seeing the disciples fail at what they were trying to do. Now they get a chance to see the master at work and see that this devil comes out of this boy. And so he kind of waits until the crowd builds up and gets excited about what's going on. Amen. And it's not because he's not doing this for show. He's doing this for the purpose of building corporate faith too. Because those people have to have something to believe in. He can't leave them. The last impression that they have in their minds of his disciples working and sweating trying to get this boy delivered and it fails. So he's got to replace that with a different image. And that is that faith works. The anointing works. They, they would have been successful had they done a few things differently, but I'm showing you that God is successful in everything that we need him for. So many times Jesus will have to come and correct things so that people can still walk away believing God. 
Amen. It's not good to leave people in doubt about God's ability. They've got to have faith in God. If you're, you're having a meeting and God's in charge, they should go away with more faith than they had before they came in, more encouragement than when they came in, greater expectation than when they came in. And so Jesus has to do all of these things in one operation. And he's a master at doing this. When he, he healed the, the woman with the issue of blood is a good example. He's got two prayer requests working at one time. And he's able to fulfill every obligation that he has as the head of the church to both people who are getting ministered to. Only he can do those things. Amen. We, sometimes we think, well, if, if we can get a bigger crowd and, and God will heal somebody, this will get us established. You know what I'm saying? And, and it does nothing. And you wind up the same way you were beforehand. And Jesus, because we do it out of a different mindset than he would. So he's the only one who knows how to incorporate all of these goals at one time to make sure that everything that, that, that he envisioned this situation ending up doing, it will do. And so he says, when he saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried and and rent him sore and came up out of him. And he fell as though he were dead in as much in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Now, suppose maybe they had asked him while they were there, why he couldn't cast him out. The fact that they did it privately, now they did a lot of, Jesus did a lot of teaching to them like that, one-on-one. They get away from the multitudes. They could ask him questions and all of that. But suppose they had asked him while they were in the situation why they couldn't have done it. Amen. They would have gotten an answer that might have been hard for them to swallow in front of so many people. See, unbelief. He had to tell him that they really did not believe and and why they didn't believe. And so the remedy couldn't come right there on the spot. So it's wise that they waited to ask him. It's good sometimes for us to be a little embarrassed about what we're doing. So that when we go to God, we can ask him everything and be open about it. Asking in front of a crowd, sometimes you just want to keep your reputation. You got me. And so Jesus had already rebuked them for their unbelief faithless generation etc etc so they were used to that and they knew that at some point they would get an answer to their issue or their problem and so after after he he delivered this boy apparently he must have helped the father's unbelief because he got what he asked for amen and i think he helped his unbelief by allowing him to vent to speak to tell him what everything that was on his mind. And after he got that out, 
then he was able to understand. He said, you know what? I am part of the problem because I believe some, but there's part of me that's holding on to some unbelief. There's part of me that's not getting it. And sometimes just confessing it will bring your answer, will free you up from it. Amen. So if we can confess certain things that that are negative about us so that we just don't just that release that comes with getting it out in the open and getting it to where God can handle it. Amen. Now, Jesus doesn't say I'm taking care of your unbelief, but that's what he does. He ministers Oh, he forgives the man of his unbelief and he accepts the faith that he has. He accepts his honest answer. And the honest answer sometimes is just enough to get you over the line so that you can get what you need from God. Amen. So Jesus is not trying to make a perfect disciple out of this man, but he is trying to get his boy cured. And so many times we find that God will give us enough faith, even though we can have doubt in our heads and wondering what's going on. He's still honoring the faith that we have in our hearts where we believed we received it when we prayed. Amen. And so he honors the little bit of faith this man has when the man confesses. He said, I believe you some, but it's part of me that just can't handle all of this faith stuff. I don't know about this and I can't figure this out, but I'm, I'm doing, in other words, Jesus, I'm putting, I'm putting my best out there. The best I have is I can be honest before you and let you know that I feel I could do better, but this is what I've got to work with. And Jesus accepts what he has to work with because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't care what it is you believe in God for, there's something Jesus will add to it to get you over the finish line. He has to because he's the one that's going to do it. And it's all done on his terms. So we're not him and we can't dictate how much faith it takes and how much confessing it takes, how much of this and how much of that. We can't call any of those shots. We just have to offer it up to him the best way we can. Jesus, I don't know why I keep coming to the same spot of I can't get any farther than right here. But this is where I am right now. And I'm just confessing it to you and I'm letting you know I want to do better. I, I want to be able to 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 have my faith to measure up to what you want it to be. I don't want to just be uh, just any old kind of faith, but I'm I'm doing the best I can right now where I'm at. Amen. <laughs> and this is this is what we have to work with. And so when Jesus took him, lifted him up, and he arose, and when the disciples came to his house or to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Amen. So in this passage, he's really referring to unbelief because we know that works. Prayer prayer and fasting works on unbelief all the time. We, we see many times miraculous things where we come into a, a, a mountain almost that can't be moved. And then we'll turn the plate down. We're getting the word more. We'll, we'll offer it up to the Lord. God, I, I need to get beyond this. I want to, I want to have the faith to do this. I want to believe you in a, a way that's going to get this done for me. Um, how can I do that? 
Amen? How can I do that? And so I think if we will just allow ourselves to be normal people, dealing with the supernatural God, you know, we can get more done. We can, we can be, be like this guy here, you know? God, I believe, help my unbelief instead of, well, I'm gonna just, I got it all, I got so and so's 15 steps to a perfect faith life and I can do this and I can do that and take God your list and your, your perfectness. It's just, just going to Him and saying, God, I, I want this and how can I get this done? Help me to get this done and, and you are the author and finisher of my faith and I, I want my faith to be, uh, pleasing to you. And, and, uh, I don't want to do any wrong. I just want to get my stuff and please you at the same time. <laughs> Is that possible? You know, that kind of thing. And so when he says it comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting, he's referring to unbelief because it's unreasonable to think that you can be in the midst of ministering and casting a devil out of somebody and go on a fast and come back and the devil hasn't killed that kid by then. So that doesn't even make sense to think that, but you know, people teach that kind of stuff because they don't listen to what Jesus is really referring to. But unbelief is, is, a, a, a hindrance sometimes to our faith and there are ways to get rid of it. There are ways to cure ourselves of it so it doesn't hinder uh, what we're trying to do in God. And so, uh, this is always the remedy. For, for any time you get stuck somewhere, uh, even if your fasting just allows you to hear from God more clearly, or allows you to be more open and honest before God, or sometimes people will fast because they can come away from the busyness of life, the distraction of what's going on around them, and finally settle in and have an honest conversation with God. Sometimes it's just good for that and and being more attentive to what God would say to you and not so distracted and not so out of it uh, that you you lose ground or you lose perspective or you lose something in your walk with God. You want to stay where he is. You want to stay current with God. You want to stay on that even keel with him. And so I'm believing that if we can do those things and we can offer those things up to the Lord in a real way, that we will get there, wherever there is. Amen. I don't know where your there is. Your there may be different from my there. But I think we can get there if we'll just continue to open up to God. There's nothing wrong with confessing to him what's what's bugging you and the problems and all of that stuff. But you can't leave it. And that's all there is to it. You have to be open to hear what God has to say. And I think that's what what sometimes where we miss it is we shut the door. After we complain, we shut the door. And we're just accepting what it is that, that we have. But if you leave the door open and say, God, if you can let, help me with this, help my unbelief. Help me to trust you. Help me to to relax and understand that you are working on me. I don't have to see something all the time. Help me to keep my eyes shut and walk by faith. Whatever it is that, that we feel that we need. Uh, Jesus is the author and the finisher. He started this. 
He's who we need in the middle of it, and he we need him up into the end. So that's that's his job for us, to help our unbelief. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for your understanding of our human condition. You are a faithful high priest. You are a great high priest because you know the end at the beginning. You've already settled all of these issues for us, Lord, and you know how we're going to respond to situations. You know how we're going to respond to different things. And so we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Praise God. All right, we can do our declaration. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. And I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord that by your stripes we are healed amen amen and amen again we are so decreed amen praise god praise